0: This morning, I am going to share with you guys something that the Lord was really working on my heart this week, and uh, and it's good because, you know, we just talked about, you know, being humble, right, and, and getting rid of pride. We've been talking about this the past couple weeks in Life Fellowship, and so if you've been here and you've been convicted, that's good, because I was too, man, so we're in the same boat, and this morning, I just want to share, again, just what God has given me, and you know the reality is is that no matter what we're doing and, and ministry, man, we need the lord's help and I don 't know for, for many of you, uh, you guys have served a lot longer than I have and you 've probably already recognized your your desperate need for the Lord, but maybe you're not in ministry um, but you but you're married or you have kids or you have a job or you have neighbors or friends. hopefully you guys have one of those and and so, this message is for all of us. And I just want to encourage you to, uh, you know, to really just listen to the Word of God um, more than me. There's, you know, I, I use a lot of cross references and I, I put them in your notes. Did everybody get a handout, by the way? Good. Hopefully. If you didn't, um, holler at my wife. Uh, or actually, Arnold, that's not my wife, but bro, thank you. <laughs> She's like points over to you. So. Man. All right. <clears throat> We're off to a bad start. So, no, it's good. Uh, so there's a lot of cross-references, but man, I, I just want to make sure that, that the Lord is speaking, and it's through His Word this morning. So, uh, so bear with me as we get through this, but I, I want to bring to you something from uh, Ephesians chapter 3, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, that's where we'll be this morning. The title of this is, Not My Power. Uh, we'll talk about that. So basically, uh, we're going to cover the, just a quick historical context of ephesians and what was going on in ephesus at the time when this was written Um, we're going to look at a prayer for the church and we're going to look at the difference between our power and god's power and then uh, how to use god's power right so historically we're looking at this book of ephesians and it was written by paul uh, late 50s early 60s ad and we can read about his trip his during his uh, second missionary trip that he went to Ephesus to visit and establish the church there, right? That picture is the, uh, the theater that they had there, and this is like actually an Acts. They go there and, and, and preach. It's pretty cool. Anyway, check it out, Acts 19. But either way, so Ephesus at this time was a huge uh, center for travel and commerce, it was one of the greatest seaports of the ancient world so this is a big deal man a lot of people coming and going so it's multicultural um man just a lot of uh, different religions a lot of different people coming from backgrounds bringing their gods into this and just a just a melting pot right kind of like it is here right in america so we have just people from all over the place and the reason that Paul writes this letter is that he wants to help establish and grow this church in the midst of this, this pagan society, right? So he's laying out some groundwork for them and helping to, to, man, go against the false teachings that creep into the church. And and this is no different than today, right? The false teaching that creeps in and, and And man, a lot of philosophy and man's way of thinking that comes into the church. And Paul's trying to deal with that and say, look, guys, we're unified in Christ, right? And all of this, what it all comes down to is the goal of having one church, one mind, one spirit, one God, so that we're unified. And Paul's key point kind of throughout this whole book is that unity and order in the church, the family and society in the spiritual world, they can be achieved through Jesus Christ, right? So it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, we've been spending some time in our Bible study in it, and I'm, I'm grateful for it because, man, I, I've never spent this much time in the book of Ephesians, but it's it's been a blessing. And so uh, we kind of, to get up to chapter three, we've gone over, you know, chapter one has this overall theme of the believer's position in Christ. We see the mystery of the church revealed. We see that the church was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, we see that we've been given all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And praise God for that, man. We've got so much, and it just, it just shows that we can now be presented before God without blame, right? And as we get into chapter 2, we go uh, take a look at our, at our new nature, the new man, right? And there's a contrast between living in our flesh and being dead in our sins and also being made alive in Christ. And we see that we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that we should walk in them, and that we're made nigh to Christ, we're made near to Christ because of the blood that was shed for us. And just as we sang this morning, man, it is the reason that we can come to the Father and have a right relationship. And so praise God for that. So as we get into chapter three, part one of chapter three, kind of the verse one through 13, kind of gives an explanation of the grace that was given to Paul to be a minister. And then, in verses 14 through 21, we see this prayer for the church. It's beautiful. Paul is praying here for the church, and we'll read through that this morning together. So, if I, I should have had this already pulled up, but here we go. Ephesians 3, uh, verses 14 through 21. Let's just read through it, and then we'll dive into uh, see what the Lord has. So, Paul says, for this cause. I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Beautiful prayer. So we see this, Paul is praying for the church, and he's praying for spiritual strength for us. But why is Paul taking so much time here to write out this prayer for spiritual strength for the church? So if we look for a little bit of context, the verse right before verse 14, if we look in verse 13, because 14 says, for this cause. So 13, you say, well, what cause? Well, he says, wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So the first reason why Paul was writing this, or I'm sorry, praying this, is that uh, he didn't want the church to faint, right? He didn't want us to be weak. He didn't want the church to fail in heart. He didn't want us to be weary because of the tribulations that he faced. And we know about the tribulations that he faced. We can read about them in many places, but man, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three 23-28 Uh, Man, Paul just gives us this list of the tribulations that he's been through and just read through it quickly with you. He says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And labor is more abundant and stripes above measure and prisons more frequent and deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A day and night, I'm sorry, a night and day, I have been in the deep. And journeyings often, and perils of, of wet waters, and perils of robbers, and perils of mine own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness, and painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger, and thirst, and fastings often, and cold, and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Wow. What a list, man. Have you guys been through any of that stuff? I'll tell you what, man, I might not sign up for ministry if that's what they presented it as, right? But Paul, man, this guy, he had some tribulations. And he says, and on top of all that, I take care of the churches. And praise God for that, man. So we're looking at this, and it's like, man, how did Paul make it through all of that? How did this guy, he's just a man, right? Did he muster up strength in his own you know, flesh and just push through it, You know, pull himself up by the bootstraps and just move forward, right? And who was behind all of this tribulation, right? So see, Paul knew the spiritual warfare that's always taking place in his life, and he knew that the church was going to face the same type of things. The church was going to deal with spiritual warfare. And the next reason why Paul wrote this is because Paul was a minister, See, Paul ministered to the church by not only just teaching them, but praying for them, bringing these things to reality and saying, hey guys, just so you know, this is what you're going to deal with. You know, he was being honest with us and we see that Paul was made a minister. In Ephesians 3, 7, if you go up to the beginning of this chapter here, Paul says, "...whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power." So we know, and we discussed in, in 1 Peter 4 recently, that true ministers, they preach the gospel, right? And we looked at that, that beautiful picture of the, the ministry um, portrait of a true minister. And so we know that in, in 1 Peter 4.10, it says that every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Jesus himself gave the Great Commission that says to go ye therefore and teach all nations. Matthew 28, 19. We are given this ministry, right? So we are called to be ministers as well. And that's the next reason that Paul is praying this for us. At some level, so we're all placed in a spiritual leadership role. We talked about that the last couple weeks. This spiritual leadership role, whether it's a leader in the church, whether you're a spouse, Whether you're a parent, like I said, all these things at the beginning, like there's some aspect to your life where you are ministering to others, and there is a spiritual aspect to that, right? Which brings us to the key point. The first key point this morning is that spiritual leading requires spiritual strength. This is the reason he prayed. And guys, I know this isn't like, you know, news to you probably, but. Man, it's the simple things of God that just blow me away. And he really had to open my eyes to this this week. And I'll talk about that here in a minute. But man, ministry, it can be hard. Um, ministering to others can be hard, especially when we're trying with our strength. And the, the reason that Paul is praying here is because he wants God's strength. He wants God's power to work through the church. He doesn't want them to do this on their own, right? And that's where God's power does come in. Because when we're praying without ceasing and we're asking God for His strength to be ministers of His power so that we can accomplish His mission to fulfill the good works that He created us for. That's what it's all about, man. Paul says in Ephesians 3.16, if we go back to the text there, that he asks that we be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That spiritual strength if you look at the word might in there, that's the same word that's translated as power in verses 7 and verse 20 here in Ephesians 3. In verse 7 he says, "...whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power." His might, right? In verse 20, "...now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us." That same power that works in us, the same power that and the might by His Spirit, right? And when we're speaking about the ministry that Paul had and preaching and teaching all men, he also tells us in in Colossians 1.29 that he labored, striving according to his working, Jesus Christ's working, which worketh in me mightily. So Paul clearly knew where his strength came from. He knew where the power came from in order to be a minister. And guys, that power that Jesus has The same power that was given to Paul to be a minister is the same power that works in us. We know this to be true. The Bible says it, but have you reckoned that, man? Like, have you actually taken time to really process that? The same power that Christ has, he works that same power through us. It's amazing. As I said, man, it's the simple things that blow my mind, but I mean, it might be simple in concept, but man, this is huge. This is everything. And so we had to remember the people that Paul was writing to in the church there, he understood that if they approached spiritual warfare in the flesh, they were going to fail. Their hearts were going to faint. They were going to grow weary. And he did not want that for the church. You know, sometimes we feel strong. I know I do. Sometimes I feel like, okay, I got this, whatever the task is whether it's something in my marriage or a friendship or ministry, and I approach it in my strength. And I might even pray. I might even say, Lord, help me with this. And then I go in with my strength and I try to do it on my own. But Paul knows, and I know, that that doesn't work. You guys probably know it doesn't work. And why is that? The flesh is weak, man. The flesh is weak, and that is the truth. God's Word tells us, man, Jesus Himself. In Mark 14, 38, talking to His disciples, when He goes to pray, He said, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. In Romans 8, 3-4, it says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law Might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So it's God's power that we need to be strengthened and not ours. And and man, we are weak in the flesh. We must recognize that and where the power actually comes from. And so that next key point is that we do have to recognize the spiritual power, though, that is against us. We have to reckon with that so that we can use the correct power to stand against it. You know, something that uh, our brother Keith always reminds us of, man, is that it is a spiritual battle. And I'm thankful for that. And I see him send that reminder out a lot on WhatsApp and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I acknowledge it. But again, acknowledging it's a little bit different than actually living that out and letting that be the reality and knowing that that's what it is, right? So we can acknowledge that there's a spiritual battle going on, and that's the next thing I want to talk about with you guys is the spiritual battle. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're actually up against. Not flesh, not one another, not a brother or sister in Christ, you know, not our neighbors, not our co-workers, not the lost world at all, man. Not the saved world. We're not against any of them. We are up against Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So the battle is not in the flesh. We can't even attempt it in the flesh because when we do, we fail. Right. So I don't know if you guys have ever had a moment like that where you've you've tried in your flesh and you failed, and then you had to realize that it was going to only be God. It was only going to be by His strength that you get through it. See, Paul gives us instruction in Ephesians chapter four. <laughs> When he's telling the church to put off the former conversation, that former behavior that we had which was corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He's, he's speaking to the spiritual needs here, and he said he continues um, to say later on in, in Ephesians 4:26 through27, "Be ye angry and sin not let the sun, uh, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil, Another spiritual reality. Later on in chapter 4 there in verse 30, he references the Holy Spirit. He says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. So we may think that our behavior, that our anger, our feelings, the communication that we have, it only affects the physical world around us. But guys, realize the spiritual reality is that we can actually give place to the devil in our lives. We can grieve the Holy Spirit when we behave as the old man. And when we allow anger to take over, when we communicate without grace, these things open you up to allowing place for the devil in your life without you even recognizing it sometimes, right? Until it's too late. The devil's always trying to battle us, though. He's always trying to get in our lives and mess things up so that the Spirit of God is grieved and that God does not receive the glory. That's his whole goal, man. So Jesus... Points out in Mark 14, 38, when he says, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Because that's the issue. It's temptation. It's the tempter who's always at work, right? So the issue is the tempter, he's always at work to derail us so that we cannot walk in the Spirit, which is ready, but instead to walk in our flesh and the power of our flesh. Matthew 4, 3 says, And when the tempter, the devil, came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones we made bread. We know that the tempter is the devil. It's referenced in multiple verses there in chapter four. Jesus calls him out. But the amazing thing is, is that even in the midst of that, the tempter, of, of the devil messing with us, we have Christ Jesus, right? But now, this is what Paul was writing to them, but now in Christ Jesus, even though that power of the rulers of the darkness of this world is real. We know that we have the ultimate power available. Matthew 28:18, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, "All power is given unto me in heaven and earth." All power. This is beyond the power that anyone else has. The same powers that's referenced in Ephesians 6:12 that we just read through, that same power that is against us is the same power that Jesus Christ has been placed far above in Ephesians 1.21. It's the same powers that are made subject under Jesus Christ, put under him. In First Peter 3.22, we see that. So this is why Ephesians 6.11 tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And what is that talking about? If we look at the whole armor of God and we don't have time to really study this out But Ephesians 6 goes into this list in verse 14 through 7, and everything in this list is about Jesus and about who he is. If you look at the whole armor of God, it's referencing truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God. All of that is in reference to Jesus Christ. In other words, we need to put on the power of Jesus so that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's what we need. That is the armor of God that we have available to us. But we must recognize it. And guys, this starts with God's love. It starts with the gospel. It starts with our salvation. Because, man, before we are in Christ, we don't stand a chance against that spiritual wickedness. He's got full reign. But the moment that we are saved by the power of God unto salvation... We then receive the ability to be able to push back against that with God's power, not ours, right? Romans one sixteen says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And we know that our sinful nature does separate us from God. Romans three twenty-three twelve tells us that all have sinned, and that there's a penalty for that sin. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 tells us, but God's not willing that any would perish. And we know that from 2 Peter 3:9, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And He had a plan to redeem us from the very beginning. It's so cool in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. God tells us that He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That just blows my mind, man. God chose us. To be redeemed. He already knew that he wanted us to be redeemed. He loved us that much that before he even laid the foundation of the world, he said, you're going to be in Christ Jesus. Your sins will be covered, right? And that sacrifice that was made for us, the reason that we're made right with God, we know that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to scriptures. So believing in Jesus and being saved, we know that we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. We know that we have to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And thou shalt be saved, Romans ten nine tells us. And in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us that by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because if we could work for it, I might boast a little bit, you know? Like, dude, I got saved. I can't believe I did the work, but I did it, man. Like, I finally am saved, right? I might boast in that a little bit but it's, it's not, it's a gift. It's by God's grace only through our faith. And so the, the next key point is that we just, we must surrender to God because that's what it is. When we stop working for it, when we stop trying to do it on our own, that's when God can actually come through. And by his grace, he can work those things out just the same as he does with our salvation because it's nothing that we can boast about. Because if we were boasting, that gives the glory to us, right? Not to God. So we have everything we need. We have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him, speaking of of Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about that love that passeth knowledge because we see there in Ephesians 3, 17-19, going back to our our prayer here for the church, that he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length And depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. That word comprehend in verse 18, it's talking about taking eagerly to possess, to obtain with all the saints, the love of Christ, right? And we see in verse 19, it says, and to know the love of Christ, that's to be aware of to feel it, to perceive that love. So we're to possess and perceive with all the saints the love of Christ. And verse 19 ends with talking about the fullness of God, right? It's being complete in God. God filling us. So we're to be filled with the presence and power of God. So we may not fully understand his love. I know that I don't. I don't fully understand the love of God. And we may not fully understand the spiritual warfare that's going on around us because we can't see it. But because we possess and perceive the love of Christ and are filled with the presence and the power of God, we have everything that we need to have victory in the spiritual battle. Did you know that? I knew that. But I didn't live it out, right? Right? This message was definitely for me. Um, This week, as I was preparing for Bible study, we were going to be in Ephesians 3. And I'm reading through, and God's showing me some really just amazing things, and I'm so thankful. Um, I'm reading through and and studying and getting ready, and then we ended up having to uh, cancel our Bible study on Thursday night, and so I put Ephesians 3 aside. I said, okay, well, I'm going to need to focus on the next the next thing at hand, which is to prepare a message for today, right? And guys, I got to be honest with you. I was struggling. I was frustrated because I kept trying to figure out like, all right, Lord, what do you want me to bring? What do you want me to say? Where in your word can I go to get the message that is needed and I'm, I'm going through, I've been you know, taking an LFBI class and I've been in a lot of different books and I'm all over the place in God's word and I'm getting a lot of knowledge and I'm getting filled up and it's been great. But I haven't slowed down enough to really hear from the Lord this past week on what does he need to work on my heart before I can bring anything to his people. Because I'm not here to just teach, guys. I'm not here to just say, hey, this is what it is. You know, now that you guys know, let's all go home and have a great day the goal is that that would actually get to our hearts. And last week when we talked about being humble, man, like God humbled me this week. I was fighting in my flesh. I was trying so hard to figure out what am I going to even bring to life fellowship on Sunday? And as I'm struggling through, getting frustrated, I couldn't figure it out. And to be honest, man, Friday rolled around and I was feeling down, man. I was feeling stuck. I'm like, I can't do this, Lord. I've been asking you to show me something and you didn't show me anything yet. That was wrong, by the way. But I talked to Carla and uh, she suggested that I go for a walk, right? Just to clear my mind. Give all the frustrations over to the Lord. And, guys, for the first time ever, she was right. <laughs> so, good. <laughs> good. She. Uh, She's right more than I want to admit. Hey, sorry. <laughs> but man, she knew. She knew. She was like, Mark, stop, dude. You're trying too hard. What are you doing? So I went for a walk. And as I'm walking, it was super windy. I think it's going to be really windy again today. Praise the Lord, it's fall. But I'm walking at the uh, Chief Stadium in their parking lot. It was so windy, man. And it's blowing against me. And I'm like pushing into it as I'm walking. And I start thinking to myself as I'm praying, like man, that's right. We just studied in Ephesians 2 the the lowercase Prince of the power of the air. Ephesians 2: 2, 2 tells us about him and we know that that's the devil. When we study that out, we see that in Job chapter one, as Satan is going to uh, go after Job to see if this is really God's man, right? If he's really that faithful, he uses the wind to blow down Job's son's house and kill his children. I was like, dude, I, I was reminded of that as I'm walking. And I'm like, man, yeah, the, the Lord, man, he's, uh, he's powerful. But man, this, this uh, prince of the power of the air, he's pretty, he's pretty strong too. He could probably push me down right now if he wanted to as I'm walking. And as I thought about that, I thought about, man, like who is the one who ultimately has control though of all this wind and everything that's going on around me and it's Jesus, man. Because when I encounter even these times in life where I'm frustrated and I can't figure it out and the wind is pushing against me and I'm praying to God and asking Him, will you please show me something? I'm reminded of Jesus when in Matthew eight twenty six, He tells His disciples who come to Him and say, save us for we perish. When there's a great storm on the sea and they're in the boat and they're, they're freaking out, man. They think that they're going to die. And Jesus says, why are you fearful? O ye of little faith. And he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Man, that hit me hard. And I had to remember in that moment that I got to keep my faith in the one who can actually bring calm to to this storm. And in the midst of a spiritual battle, I didn't recognize. I had just read Ephesians 3 the other day. And I'm like, did I forget so soon that there's a spiritual battle that I could actually be suppressed and, and, and held onto so that I don't bring glory to God? Did I forget that so quickly that Jesus actually has ultimate control over that? Satan's just a counterfeit. We know he always is, right? So I had to surrender. I had to give that to God, and I, I had to ask for forgiveness for trying in my flesh so hard. Because I couldn't do it, guys. And I, I still can't. I never can do it in my flesh. But I'm so thankful that it doesn't have to be my strength, right? God, he is faithful, man. And when I realized that I needed his power and I needed, I needed his spiritual strength in order to do this, man, the moment that I gave that up, <clears throat> excuse me, I came home and I was led right back to Ephesians chapter 3. And God said, I already told you, man, you were already right there come on, Mark. So I read through it, and I just, I prayed, I prayed that prayer, man, Ephesians 3, and I asked, God, please give me your strength to do this. Show me what it is. And he was like, just just be an example of what not to do, Mark. So there it is, guys. <laughs> I, uh, I'm thankful, guys, because the end result of this, if we look at at verse 21 there it says unto him be glory in the church by jesus christ or christ jesus i'm sorry throughout all ages world without end amen so the end result of this is that god gets the glory right amen. as he should man not me i'm not bringing a message to you guys so that i can get glory let you know that we need to give god the glory because he did it all so paul did receive you know he received god's power in order to be a minister to us and that same power works in us so that we can be ministers as well. And he prays for us that we that we wouldn't faint, that we wouldn't grow weary, that we wouldn't have days where we're frustrated and trying to do something in our in our power, right? He says, it's not, it's not my power. But we have this power so that we can be ministers as well. And we can stand against that spiritual warfare when we encounter it daily. Because we have to remember that even though The reality is, what God's word says is that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, but we're still going to face spiritual warfare daily in ministering. And even though we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Jesus, we have to ask in that same faith that saved us, that same saving faith, we have to approach the Lord and ask him to give us the strength and believe that he can. As we face that spiritual warfare, so let's, let's apply this. Let's let's actually use this. And how do we use God's power? So it starts with prayer. We see that in, in Coloss- I'm sorry, Ephesians three, chapter fourteen. He says, "For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." So prayer. We know that that's our way to communicate with God. God, who is a spirit, it's a spiritual thing, right? John 4.24 teaches us that God is a spirit and we, we are to ask for spiritual strength for the spiritual battle. Ephesians 6.18 tells us, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we know this, right? We know, we've heard verses, that, you know, pray without ceasing and all this, right? We know these things. It's been said over and over again, but, but man, in preparing our hearts to receive what God has for us on Sunday morning, are we really, are we really meaning it when we pray for God to, to show us something? Are we approaching God in prayer before we meet with a brother or sister in Christ and have a, a hard conversation or even a non-hard conversation? Just, God, watch over my lips. Let me not say something foolish, right? Let me bring you glory through the way that I speak. Do we pray before we're going to share truth with, with a lost friend or family member or neighbor? Do we pray before we say something to them and share God's truth with them? just want to consider that, man, because, because it is so important that praying always is part of our daily walk, but it goes beyond that because we also have to humble ourselves. We see that, that Paul said that I bow my knees Bowing knees is showing honor to God. That's that's lowering himself. That's humbling himself before the Lord. We need to do the same thing. In 1 Peter 5, 6-7, through it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. That powerful hand of God, right? That he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. So we have to approach in humbleness. And we know this, but how often do we pray on our knees? And even if you're not praying on your knees, are you lowering yourself in prayer? Because I know there's a lot of times where I'm driving or something, I can't kneel down, right? But am I lowering myself in my heart and recognizing that God is way above this, right? And not just throwing a prayer at it God and saying, hey, do this thing really quick, thanks, and then I'm out, right? That's not humble, man. That's not an approach to the god of the universe right but can we approach god in that same humbleness in our prayer life more than when we're just perceiving something to be hard or if we have a heavy burden even if it's just a a quick prayer right something that's small something that's a light burden can we still humble ourselves before we come to our heavenly father and the next point here is that we need to ask in faith we know that it's faith that saved us. The faith that we have access to God—it's it's by our faith um, that man Christ dwells in our hearts, Ephesians three seventeen. But as James one six points out, it says, "But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed." So that same wind that the devil uses to go against us, man, by faith, man, Jesus can take control of that wind, right? And again, we know this, we can give mental assent to this, but how often do we ask not believing? How many prayers do you think you've prayed where you didn't truly have faith that God was going to come through and do that? I mean, think about it, man. Like even this morning, did you pray in faith that God was going to show you something that you would receive it? Did you really believe that, that, that God can show you something from his word? Or did you just say, okay, Lord, I'm here again, you know, we're doing my thing. Man, did you really ask him? Did you believe in faith that God can show you something? And then beyond that, man, what about what about those people that, that we desire to see saved in our life? When we're praying and asking God to please soften their heart and bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ, do we believe that he can actually do that? Even the hard ones, guys, even the really hard ones that are hard to minister to who are like way, way, way far away from God. Do you really believe he can do that? So man, the last point is that we have to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to fight against the opposing spiritual power. We know that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God from Ephesians 6.17, which says, and, uh, part B of that, it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? So the Word of God is our battle sword. It's what we use to fight that opposition. And man, this is exactly what Jesus did. You're reading through the Gospels, if you look in Matthew 4, Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And what does he use in order to fight Satan and get him to leave? He uses his own word. He says, it is written, and then tells him. This is how he did it. And man, we need to do the same thing. You know, we know that the the same things that the devil was tempting Jesus with which is all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We know that it's not of the Father. It's, it's of this world. That according to 1 John 2.16, we know that. The devil tried the same things with Jesus, and he just used his word to, to defeat that. And it's amazing. We know that Jesus is the word, according to John 1.1, uh, 1, 1, right? So in Ephesians 3:17 when we're looking at this it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's the word, dwelling in your heart. Man, Psalm 119:11 says, "Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee." That's what we need, right? We need God's word. We need Jesus in our heart so that we may not sin against him and that we can actually go up against this battle. And that's why it's so important, guys, that we are in the word regularly. We need the word of God. We need it. We need it to be in our hearts. And so, again, guys, I'm going through this to just point out to you, this is what the Lord had to deal with me this week. He had to humble me, and I had to come to a place where I'm like, yeah, I can't, Lord. I just can't, and I'm frustrated because I cannot prepare a message. I have nothing to say to you guys. I mean, I love you, but I have nothing worth preaching. I have nothing worth teaching unless it's of God. And he dealt with my heart in this, man. And perhaps, man, perhaps you're in a place this morning where maybe you are trying to do something in your own power as well. Whatever it is, your marriage, being a parent, at your job, something in ministry, and you're trying to do it in your own power, and I just want to encourage you, man, that whatever it is, if you're feeling frustrated or if you're getting down, that, man, well, you can be sure that if you're frustrated that you're operating in your power, not God's. So let us surrender our power to God and allow His power to minister to those in our lives. That's what we need. Lord, we, uh, we need You. We need Your power. We need everything that You've got for us. And, and Lord, I just pray that we wouldn't just give mental assent, that we wouldn't just acknowledge Your Word, but that we would go beyond that and actually apply it on our lives. Lord, help us please today, Father, to walk in your power, the power that's given to us. I pray for all my brothers and sisters, Lord, that they wouldn't have to struggle in the flesh as I did this week, but that, God, they can walk in your power and have that calmness over their lives that only you can bring. Lord, I love you, and I lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen.